Gorilla Healer presents Farms Not Farms podcast, season two, sponsored by buildthesoil.com. There she is. Hi. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm great, I'm great. Thank you. Good to see you. Great to see you. Welcome to the Farms Not Farms podcast. Such an honor to be here. Mm, it's an honor to have you. So first and foremost, I would love to uh, introduce you. And if, if you would be so kind to just give a brief introduction, because I can go all day about how I know mm-hmm. you, though I feel like perhaps, you know, you can give the best introduction to who you are and what you're all about, because there's a reason why I have you on the show today. So I'm going to get to that right after you be so kind to introduce yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, it's such an honor to be here. I admire the podcast and I'm really stoked to see what we'll speak about today. And so, yeah, my name is uh, Rachel Carlevel. And what I'm all about is really regenerating body, mind, and soil, uh, this planet, this earth. Uh, and one of the ways in doing that is through my business, Ganjasana. So that's a business I founded where it's a plant medicine school. We hold ceremony and workshops and trainings to educate people on how to connect with plant spirit uh, using the techniques of yoga and meditation and mindfulness. And we also really focus on uh, regenerative agricultural farming practices and how we can embody them as well. You, You said a lot of good stuff there. Everything that I'm aligned with, you know, and First and foremost, I feel really called to just honor um, our ancestors and those who paved the way for us to be here today. And um, of course, Creator for allowing us life. And uh, with that, I just want to thank you for your contributions to our world, Rachel, because you are, you're a light, you know, and when lights shine, other people get to see. You know, other life forms get to feel um, illuminated or at least experience what that's like. And your specific focuses intrinsically allow us to illuminate ourselves, be it growing healthy food or plants or medicine or, you know, doing having healthy lifestyle practices that allow us to feel our best and to actually be you know, healthy. And um, if you'd be so kind to just open a window to what your business Ganjasana is all about, because I think that you're doing something that, you know, it's, it's an ancient tradition for thousands of years, people have been using this plant in sacred ways. And to think about how we grew up to what you're being flown around the world teaching right now, it's, it's really, an amazing growth in my in my eyes to see where um, the wonderful world of cannabis is at. So, if you'd be so kind to just share with our viewers what you do, wh- why why people are bringing you to all sorts of amazing events all around the world. Yeah, so we really focus on the cannabis plant ally, and I speak of her, uh, of course and you know, but to educate our viewers, cannabis is a dioecious plant, meaning there's a male and a female. And most often we're working with the female flower. So I'll refer to cannabis as her. Um, And so in the lineage of working with plant spirit medicine, we see plants as a sentient being. So cannabis being a spirit that we can communicate and co-evolve with. So when we think about this, uh, we can really alter and change our relationship to the plant, one in which is reciprocal. So meaning that it's a, a give and take with one another. And that's really how this plant has co-evolved with humans uh, since our ancestors first dis- discovered her so many thousands of years ago. Uh, but with Ganjasana, we really focused on reviving these ancient practices in this modern world in this day and time so that people can really deepen their connection to nature. So although we do focus on the cannabis plant, it's 
all of nature as a whole. You know, cannabis is just one of Mother Nature's many plants and her great wide apothecary. Uh, but cannabis is so special in the fact that it's uh, one of the most varietal plants. So it can help with so many different diseases and ailments. It can be so many different things to us from medicines to clothing to food. So it is such a special and sacred relationship, uh, specifically with the cannabis plant. And for myself, it's been one of my dearest allies. Uh, so that's why I've chose to focus on the plant, uh, working with it for so many years and really seeing how to deepen these relationships, we need to align our body to the natural rhythms in nature. So we have so many different things from artificial lighting to EMF rays and uh, things that are disrupting our nervous system and disrupting our ability to communicate and really to hear nature. So when we meditate, when we take the time to quiet the mind or we hold a mantra, um, Man means a uh, mind and tra means across. So it's to go across the mind when you sound a mantra or you practice yoga, the asanas, the way in which you move and hold your body. These are all ways in which we're attuning ourselves to be able to deepen that connection with nature. And some say that uh, through yoga, which comes from Ayurveda, which means the science of life, one of the oldest texts on this planet is Sanskrit. So it's written in the one of the most ancient texts that we have speaks about the cannabis plant in the science of life that the seed was given to us and that was what allowed us to have this beautiful understanding of the world and ourselves in it so that's what they call ayurveda the the key to life and there's mm. uh, so many other ways that can think about that but yeah that's kind of the the long, long and the short of the practices thank you <laughs> what an awesome breakdown. You said the asana regarding yoga. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of the name Ganjasana. Perhaps marrying of the, or let's just say the revealing of the connection between the sacred plant and the, the uh, relationship between yoga. Is that what you're, what you're teaching? Yeah, absolutely. And that sacred relationship between yoga and the cannabis plant uh, really originates from um, India. And so you could go there today and you still see the sadhus who are the holy men uh, smoking their hashish and uh, their holy uh, bang, drinking the bang. Um, and celebrating life by devoting their life to Shiva, who is Lord of Cannabis. So there is a, a really deep relationship that I feel kind of got lost throughout the years as yoga came to the Western world, that we're kind of backtracking and getting into our roots and seeing how we can revive all of these relationships with plants. Because, you know, not just the Hindu mythology, but many other cultures speak about cannabis in a sacred and spiritual way. And, you know, growing up for me, it became, cannabis became this relationship of relief and, and, and allowed me to feel happy and excited for life and during times that you know let's be honest my family was splitting up it was really a, it was a tough time at home and I was a teenager so those kinds of things were going on as well whereas you know we're, we're growing up and a lot of things are going on and so um you know it 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 really saved me in many ways and at different points of my life uh cannabis has has been been uh a really beautiful tool and at the same time there's times where perhaps my relationship with it benefited from me being more mindful um, with that I would say that knowing what I know now about the plant is so much different than what I knew growing up whereas the allure of this amazing leaf and getting high and all that greatness you know there's nothing wrong with it and um, 
for people, you know, uh, and animals too, who, who use it for whatever reasons they're deciding. And, and, you know, that leads me to say the medicinal benefits of it. And, and, you know, who says that we're not spiritually benefiting from utilizing cannabis in a spiritual way uh, or medicinal way when we're, when we're smoking it or, uh, perhaps in an emotional way and perhaps even in a physical way, though at the same time, learning about cannabis oils and how they interact with our body, specifically our endocannabinoid system and its functions in our body lead me to um, fascination and seeing it being applied in real life. You know, you and I have met through, uh, through the years in, um, in, you know, outside of the cannabis industry, though, ultimately through cannabis, you know, let's be honest. And, you know, I've just seen um, your evolution as a human at the same time. Um, you know, I've seen uh, this plant be used in, um, in so many different settings. Is there anything that you would like to shed about that? Your relationship with the plant and perhaps any, um, you know, success stories that you've seen or, or some would call it miracles or things that you've seen aside from, you know, communing with this plan in a way that allows yogically to come out, you know, and energetically to, 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 to um, benefit us. Have you seen um, other ways that keeps you really, you know, um, passionate about this plan as well? Yeah, um, well, first and foremost for my own self, uh, my own self-care and my own relationship with the plant. The reason why I would say I've dedicated my life to cannabis, and I think you know my own personal story, but the plant was very healing for me. And I would say that was a huge miracle in and of itself. And that's why I decided to uh, create Ganjasana and share this practice and share this plant with other people because I had such great success in healing my body. Um, I had a tumor and many health issues and cannabis is my plant medicine. She totally heals me uh, in every single way from the physical cellular structure. You know, if we're stepping into the lens of science um, all the way to the spiritual side and, and we may argue that those are intrinsically connected. Um, our, our emotions are connected to our health and our uh, environment is connected to our inner environment and our health. So uh, being able to discover the healing benefits through my own practice and through my own healing was what allowed me to want to share this with other people. Uh, I did do many different trials and data. We tested out different genetic cultivars and modes of cultivation and modes of administration. And what I found from many people from the physical aspects that these practices help with of using cannabis in a mindful way with the addition of the yoga practices and the mindfulness practices was that it helped with everything from um, people's ailments of stress and anxiety, uh, depression, also pain. Um, and pain can come in many forms from um, inflammation. Most diseases are a type of inflammation, whether it's uh, cancer all the way to stretched or broken ligaments or bones. So, um, we see on the physical sector how healing it can be all the way to the spiritual side of things of opening up i've seen people say wow my mind was blown i never knew this about cannabis or i've been smoking i've what i find really interesting is sometimes people had um been using cannabis for a while but had never sat down and intentionally had ceremony with the plant. And so that was what blew their mind of just having a new way to build a relationship. And I always say it is a relationship, it's intimate relationship. And so we take a lot of time in order to uh, build that connection before we consume the plant. And so I think, you know, for myself, even I started consuming cannabis at a very young age 
and I had no consideration of even sometimes what genetic it was or where it came from or who farmed it until later years in life as I grew and you know started to learn from other people and uh, travel and learn from different cultures as well that I really began to understood how to respect the plant um, in every way from the way in which we consume it to the way in which it's grown. Some of the um, aspects of what you're talking about lead me to consider how it's possible to benefit from this plant in different ways. And at the same time, knowing this plant enough enables us to truly hone in on what can help us the best way, like you were saying, the different strains and cultivars and how they're grown and so on and so forth. That is something that a lot of us will benefit from, from knowing. And, you know, I, I have yet to really see anybody out there in a supermarket shopping with a refractometer, refractometer, you know, looking for the nutrient density of our foods, though at the same time, when somebody needs a plant medicinally, it's important. Well, um, it, it, some might say it could be important to know the nutrient density of that plant and whether or not it's going to provide the optimal medicine for us when we want to use that plant as medicine. And, you know, just because something looks like what it's supposed to be doesn't mean that it's going to be its healthiest form. And if we need it to save our life, then perhaps we want to have the healthiest form of what that is. So how do we get that? And if we are dependent upon others to um, get that, then we're only subject that, you know, our health is um, based on what we're uh, offered. And so taking taking our power back, so to speak, and taking the reins of our, of our, uh, of what we put in our bodies, where it leads me to this question, were you a gardener prior to, and I call you a gardener, but were you, were you working in the garden prior to uh, working with cannabis or? Yeah, you know, what's really interesting is I, I went to school for plant and soil sciences. That's what my degree is in. So at the time, um, was focusing on lots of different plants. There was a permaculture program there. It was at UMass Amherst. So I was learning all about permaculture and we applied it on the university. So my real first gardening experiences was actually a permaculture. We transformed the whole lawns into edible food forests to feed the dining commons. And so that's where I got my first true hands-on experience in the garden and in understanding how to close the loops and how to transform land and work with polycultures. And then I, when I first started growing cannabis, I started with the bottled nutrient way that everybody does, you know, it was very underground. And I thought it was so odd because I had just <laughs> learned all of, all of this about permaculture. And then I was like, why are we isolating this one cannabis plant? And, you know, at the time having to lock her in our basement or wherever and use all of these different bottled nutrients that we were told we needed and pH balance up and down. And so I definitely, I started off the way I think most people do. Um, and, uh, soon transformed into what we would call indoor no-till living soil and um yeah really took off from there and just applying all the principles that we had learned about and testing and you know there was no information about what cannabis companion plant plants were <laughs> you know there's charts about all the other vegetables and fruits that you might grow and their beneficial polycultures but there wasn't too much information about cannabis. So um, yeah, that was a, a lot of connecting online uh, with different growers and having grow journals and testing out what worked and didn't work and sharing with the community. There's a really wonderful community of people and um, that's how I kind of start started. So you said no-till living soil. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is a good um 
you know, title if we were creating an outline of what we're talking about for the next piece of information here, because you're talking about um, some really awesome stuff and how to take a plant that is generally grown by itself, perhaps even in a singular pot, and 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 then there move it into an environment that's grown with other plants, you said companion plants, and then how to benefit from that in a way where you don't even have to change your soil. And you don't, you know, talk talk as much as you want. I was gonna say a little bit, but talk sure. a lot. So I, so I would say, you know, there's two main ways that we see of cultivation in the industry today and one I might call sterilized growing. And the other way would be modeling nature. And so the living soil would look like modeling nature. You can do that indoors as well as outdoors. We always try to be as environmentally conscious as possible, but in essence, you're creating that same soil food web that you might find outside, inside. And in order to do that, you need to create a stable ecosystem um, and you may build your soil from scratch or, you know, purchase it from a, a pre-made mix. And then once you build that stable ecosystem, it's there forever. You're feeding the soil. So the main thought pattern that really changes is the sterilized environment, you're feeding the plant, whereas the living soil environment, you're feeding the soil, and it's that soil food web that then feeds the plant. And so the benefit of having cover crops, and um, you might put a mulch on there like a hay or something, is that you're, you're creating that stable ecosystem in the soil so that you can have a beautiful, healthy plant grow from it. Yeah, I guess a lot of us don't realize, and I didn't even realize that roots grow all the way to the top of the soil. So if you cover the soil with mulch or hay or something like that, then they have the ability to retain enough hum uh, moisture to mm -hmm. create a mycelial mat that allows this web of communication to happen and allow nutrients to be taken in by the plant, which ultimately allows the plant to utilize those nutrients in ways that al allow of the plant to be healthy. Just like if we're eating foods that are giving us great nutrients um we should be able to get healthy from them though if there's such a thing whereas our bodies needed some help in order to get those nutrients from what we were eating then uh that that fungus so to speak or what's in our gut the microbiota the probiotics you hear so much about, so much about a prebiotics that helps us that the digestion or the in, uh, uptake of, of nutrients um so when you when you're talking about uh um growing in inside taking the outside inside is that like a lot of people might say wow like i don't want to have bugs in my house is that do, do i have to have bugs in my house like you know um so that's the first thing and then the second thing you know people might say well how do i build my own soil and of course you can go to our sponsor buildthesoil.com and get a number of your uh, organic soil amendments and and learn so much they even have an incredible youtube channel um and uh, though for people who want to learn more about that, what would you say? What's a great way to start? What are the basics to know about how to grow your own healthy food and medicine? Um, well, yeah, if you're going to build your own soil, it's really three basic parts. Um, it's one part sphagnum peat moss or either people may use different varieties of different things in, in place of that. Uh, one part compost and you can have that 50% vermicompost from your worms or, you know, some type of compost and then one part aeration. So maybe that looks like um, using Stones. pumice or volcanic rock, but depending on where you are, I always advocate to try to source all your inputs locally. So work with what you have and it doesn't necessarily have to be a third, a third, a third of that. You know, that's where the science of your soil mix comes in, but that's the main essence of, of life, of the soil that we'll find. And then there's all different types of amendments that you can add. And of course you mentioned your sponsor is Build-A-Soil and they do supply um, all of the 
amendments that you might want to add. And uh, they also supply the premixed soil. So if you just want to get started right away, they're a great resource where you can just buy the soil and get ready to plant. But the biggest thing I would say the hurdle for most people is that fear of messing up. And I would say, you know, every, every problem is the solution is what we say in permaculture. And really, I encourage everybody to just get started, just even start small with one little plant or, uh, you know, a house plant or whatever it is you want to try out, uh, pop some seeds, just have it's so much fun. And it's really experimental. And there's nothing more rewarding than growing your own plants to watch the seeds sprout and little cotyledon come out and have your own flower and you harvest it and then you're smoking it and you're like, I grew this. There's nothing cooler than that. And um, there's so many different resources. Uh, I'm here with Ganjasana. We offer education. Uh, as you mentioned, Build a Soil has a educational sites as well. And uh, there's a whole community of growers out there that are happy to connect. I know um, you are, you and I are on a couple uh, Living Soil Facebook groups, I think, where people might ask questions, but that's really what I did. Uh, we had online forums, you know, 10 or so years ago where we had grow journals and we logged everything and, oh, I'm trying this new input. I'm trying kelp. I'm top dressing with this, or I'm trying IPM with this essential oil and this worked really well. And uh, you know, just seeing what works and what doesn't work. And we make mistakes and we learn. The first time I ever grew, I sprayed a, essential oil IPM with the lights on and I fried all the plants. And you know what? I never did that again. So <laughs> uh, it's definitely a, a learning process, but there's nothing more empowering than having self-sufficiency, being able to grow your own food and you don't need that much. So even if you're in an urban environment, you can have a worm bin in your kitchen. It doesn't smell. You can close the loops. Uh, you can create your own vermicompost. You can have a little tray of uh, sprouts by the window and just start growing your own food. Um, wheatgrass is great. It grows so quickly. It's a grass. You just put it in some soil in the window and boom, you have wheatgrass and you can, it's so healthy and nutritious. So it's really, uh, I just really encourage everyone to, to try and get your hands dirty and you'll be surprised. So why would someone have a worm bin in their kitchen? <laughs> well, uh, because it, the worms uh, can eat your scraps. So ra rather, rather than producing waste, we wanna see how we can be regenerative. So when I say I'm all about regenerating body, mind and soil, body, mind and spirit, uh, we can do that throughout our lives. It's a real lifestyle practice, right? So we try to, in all of our life, create no waste and to create something greater than ourselves. So a worm bin in the kitchen, uh, you can feed them all your food scraps and they poop them out, which is called vermicompost. And then you can use that compost to feed back to your plants. So that essence of feeding the soil again, we're feeding the microbiology in the soil, creating that stable ecosystem. Um, you can do things like Bokashi compost because in a worm bin, you do want to have a stable environment there. Um, so you wouldn't want to put any type of citrus in a worm bin or things like garlic or meat. You can't feed to worms. So uh, Bokashi compost is a way you can get around this, even in an urban environment. Again, it doesn't smell. Nobody will even know you have it. You can just get a five gallon bucket and Bokashi is a grain that you ferment. And so literally you can put anything into Bokashi, ferment it, and then feed that to your worms. So always thinking about how we can close the loops in every way. There's one of the groups that we're in, it's called Probiotic Farmers Alliance and yes. the gentleman, Alan, who runs it, we actually interviewed in season one of the Farms Not Farms podcast. And he oh, has cool. a product called Grow Kashi, which you can get and use um, in this way, or you can make your own Bokashi, which is a relatively easy thing to do. And you can probably look that up on YouTube unless there's a, a way that uh, you know how. And, um, you know, um, rolling back into utilizing these mindful practices into, uh, into our life, you know, how do you see um, yoga benefiting your life? And why is that, uh, you know, perhaps one of the major sources of your focus? Yeah, 
for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. So within yoga, there are seven limbs and asana, the movements, uh, what you might think of as like downward facing dog is one of the seven limbs. But just thinking about the movements, right, of moving the body, there's so many physical benefits that we can get from it, from increasing our immune system, our circulation, our uh, health in every way, our mind, our mentality. Um, and it's something that brings a consistency. There was just a lot of research recently released that said to prevent uh, viruses, they actually recommend to not be sedentary. <laughs> so people who sit all day at the computer, I know I sit a lot at the computer, and most of us have very uh, seated lives. And so when we have a yoga practice, it brings in that movement. Um, the synovial fluids that run through our spine are connected to every single system within the body. And so the whole system of yoga is designed around the spinal column. You're moving it back or forwards or sideways with the other way, north, south, east, or west, um, and, and everything in between. And so the spinal column houses our nervous system. So we have our autonomic nervous system and our sympathetic nervous system. So sympathetic, we would think of as like fight or flight, where uh, we're trying to survive. We're in survival mode. And the parasympathetic nervous system is rest and digest. So only in the parasympathetic system can you actually digest food and assimilate nutrients. So even if you're eating food, if you're a human, you're going through life, you're eating food. Um, if you're in that sense of survival mode of fear, you're actually not even going to assimilate all of those wonderful nutrients and minerals mm. within the food you're eating, if they even contain those minerals. <laughs> um, and so that's why yoga can be so beneficial. It helps with digestion. It helps with our heart um, and, and the overall science of every part of yoga from the meditation in the mind to the mantras, the mudras, which are the hand gestures. You know, a lot of us get um, carpal tunnel as we age and we're using our hands at the keyboard a lot. So it's bringing us health and vitality. That's what it's all about. What are the hand gestures about? Yeah, mudras. So I have a really interesting story I'll share with you, but uh, mudra is to bring about different <clears throat> sensations or feelings within the body and the emotional body. And so the one that we may all be most familiar with is Gayan Mudra, right? This one we see the yogis meditating with their thumb to the index finger. And so this is our ego finger. So we bring it together. This is actually closing the loop, right? So if you think about permaculture or regenerative farming, we're closing the loop in the farm and in the soil food web. You're doing that same thing within your own body. So in, in bringing this connection together, you're creating a loop of energy. So it's recalibrating your cellular structure all the way down to your spiritual structure. Uh, but the interesting story I was going to share was that the very first time I sat in ceremony with the ayahuasca vine, uh, uh, myself in what we call uh, stuck in the bucket. You do a lot of purging in ayahuasca ceremony. And I was hunched over. I was vomiting. My hands were in fists at the time. And I was just kind of like curled up in a uncomfortable shape and vomiting and purging a lot, right? Like this. And I had already been practicing yoga for about 10 years at that point. And then I remembered my yoga practice and I all of a sudden sat up and I opened my hands. So they were stuck in these fists and I opened them into this Lotus Mudra. And this was the very first time I felt in that instant, my entire being changed from the Mudra. So if you think about if you hold your hands in one position and then you open them, it's a whole, your whole body becomes open now, right? And so my visions at the time were very dark and scary. And so when I opened the hands, it literally became like sparkles and rainbows. And so uh, it was just so powerful to see 
the power of a mudra because you can do this, but you're, you may not feel it in the moment on such a, a awakening level um, as if, if you may be working with some type of plant medicine or psychedelic plant medicine. So the mudras can be very powerful. You can do them anytime and all day. Like I'm just sitting at my desk. I might keep my hand in Guyan mudra or when you're driving in your car, you can find different mudras. They bring about different benefits in the body. Um, like this is another one of my go-to mudras. This is uh, what I suggest for females quite often. This is um, a panavayu. So it helps bring the energy downward. So if a female is menstruating on her moon cycle, this can bring some relief to the body. So it's just something else that you can do to help bring balance and wellness. What about for men? Is there something that men can do? Well, yeah, I mean, all of the other mm -hmm. mudras are, you know, very beneficial for men and women. Um, a pun of you is good for all downward flow. So even if a man has like um, a bellyache or something and you want to let the gas flow out, <laughs> a pun ah. of yep, uh, you <laughs> means air. So it's just letting whatever is in come out. <laughs> and then yeah, we, we have a yoga pose upon a vayu. You lay on your back and you bring one knee into your chest and then the other leg straight, and then you switch. So if you think about it, it's like really opening up the, the channels within our intestines. Mm. So if, if somebody is interested in what you're talking about and perhaps even wants to, you know, um, do a yoga session with you or, you know, um, join a Ganjasana experience, how would they do that? Um, you can check our website. We're at ganjasana.com. We do have a couple in-person events coming up next week um, here in Boulder. There's one for 420 and then uh, with Illuminati Congo. And then we have one on Earth Day up at the greenhouses here in Netherlands. So that's going to be a ganjasana ceremony into a uh, greenhouse dance party. We're going to have a dance party with the worm. So you should definitely come to that. <laughs> Um, and then we are also holding online ceremonies, events, and trainings. So you can check our website out to sign up. Have the worms agreed to the dance party? <laughs> yeah, they're into it for sure. <laughs> as long as you're not dancing on them. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, Hold so, up to dance. <laughs> um, do you do um, online courses? Yes, uh, we do online courses. Uh, we've done live classes online. And then we are also about to launch our training. We have a 100-hour certification training through Yoga Alliance. And so we're currently in the process of filming that. And that will all be available online. And then we'll have an in-person one coming up soon, um, hopefully, this uh, summer. So the 100-hour training, is that for perhaps somebody who wants to give uh, hold their own Ganjasana experiences where they're yeah, at? Absolutely. Um, it, it, it equips you with all of the knowledge and wisdom you would need to hold your own type of Ganjasana ceremony. And it is approved through Yoga Alliance. So if you want, you can get the 100-hour continuing education credits. Um, we have had people come from all different walks of life from cannabis health educators to nurses to cultivators. So it is a, a comprehensive cannabis education. We cover everything from um, cultivation methods to soil building to medicine making, uh, how to set up an altar, working with plant spirit. Um, and then we even talk about uh, how to market something like a, an experience like this. So it's a really well-rounded education. Mm. Sounds like it's uh, could be really helpful for. <clears throat> excuse me. Sounds like it could be really helpful for somebody who wants to contribute to their community in ways that they're passionate about. Though perhaps wants to have some sort of certificate and or you know backing behind that that's actually have structure and and ways that you're applying it in the real world. To, to feel a part of something that is already functioning in a, in a successful way. I've seen that you got um, booked down in Costa Rica and you've, you were out, out in California, you were out on the East Coast, like you're really, you're really doing it. And I just wanna salute you 
And, you know, I, I think it's so important that we as individuals know that you're the only one who loves what you love the way you love it. And so when you, when, when we put, when, when we put that into perspective and we really build upon what we love in such a way that we're overflowing with the abundance of, of information about it. I mean, who are we to hold that back? You know, and everybody's different. Somebody, you know, feels confident walking around and, 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 you know, sharing when they're asked and somebody else feels confident walking around and sharing what they know. And somebody else feels confident, you know, not saying anything, you know, everybody's different. There's all different colors in the rainbow though. You know, for me, I'm, 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 I'm also really grateful. I'm grateful for all of us and I'm grateful for you for sharing your, you know, your, the information that you've been learning and, and gaining and retaining as knowledge and applying as wisdom. And it's, and you look at you, you're glowing. You know, you really, uh, Philly's right you, here. what's that? So can you see Phil? He's right here. Phil. So for those that don't know, Phil is, um, <clears throat> my nephew, <laughs> my dog's nephew. And, uh, I love you, Philly. And, um, no, the truth is I can't see him, <laughs> um, but I feel him and, uh, yeah. Um, rest in peace to, Barkley and to Lou and to uh, Chester and to Arlo and uh, to all the all all the all the beings. <laughs> um, for me, I dedicated my life to cannabis because I I you know once I saw it heal. I mean, a woman with leukemia who was on crazy narcotics and getting blood transfusions to all of a sudden no narcotics and no blood transfusions as the first person that I that I was asked to help and then a two-year-old and then a four-year-old and then all these different um walks of life including animals I just you know it's like what else is more important you know than to yeah. share this and for to experience it with myself you know, in, in, in some really uh, serious ways um, from <clears throat> depression to, um, you know, pain relief after, uh, you know, minor surgery or to, um, you know, just in so many ways, you know, and to see it work in other people from somebody who could be, you know, um, you know, curled up on the floor to standing up, singing like a, a plant, a flower to the sky, you know, like, I think we're all, um, we're all in the same boat in the sense that we have an endocannabinoid system. And while we may not all want to smoke, we may not all want to use CBD or THC or CBG or all these other cannabinoids out there. It's important to know our options when we're in a situation where we need to help ourselves or somebody else. And so at that point, knowing what works for different things is uh, in my mind, potentially life-saving. And or you know anybody in pain wants to get out of pain immediately, no matter what kind of pain we're in or where, what area of life it's affecting us. You know, And some would call it torture if we had to stay in pain longer than we wanted to be in it. So it's important for me to just share this and, and um, thank you, Rachel, for, uh, for being willing, for doing your part, you know? And I, I just I wanna ask, is there anything that you feel like when you're walking around and you're like, man, I just really wish that these people just knew this, you know, or that, or, you know, you wanna share anything at all? This would be a great time. Yeah, I would say, I just wish everyone knew that cannabis is safe. Um, and the reason I want to share that is because there is still stu such a stigma about it. And it's very personal to me to change this stigma because I was able to heal myself with the plant. Um, however, my father, he was diagnosed with cancer and he saw cannabis as a drug, as something bad. And instead he, he decided to trust uh, someone in a white coat. Um, so I, I wish that everyone trusted 
themselves trusted nature which is you that that i wish everyone knew how powerful that they were the body is a self-healing organism and we're meant to work with the plants in nature and i wish that everyone remembered and trusted that uh, nature is here to help us and we can help each other because um, unfortunately my father passed away two months after being diagnosed with cancer i couldn't get there quick enough i got on a plane i had fistfuls of uh, the fico the full extra extract cannabis oil i went into the cancer ward and he was already um, hooked up getting blasted with toxins that i believe killed him so um, I wish everyone just trusted in the power of nature and trusted the plants and remembered how powerful that you are. Yeah, you know, I, I, I always say farms, not farms. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to support our um, safe access and, you know, freedom of information. And I don't want to create enemies with, my speech and I don't want to shame anybody who needs pharmaceuticals and I want to just say that it's okay if you know we need pharmaceuticals and at the same time it's also okay that we remember how we're built how we're made and that we are just as you say thank you like we are nature you know and nature is us and and so, you know, as above, so below, like what, what, what goes on in a single cell goes on in, in a bigger way. And so what that cell takes in nutrient wise affects that cell, what the body takes in nutrient wise affects our cells, all of the other living organisms in our body, believe it or not, there are, the, the, um, there's more living organisms in our body that aren't us, that are us which is really weird to think about, though they live in symbiosis with us and allow us to be happy and healthy. And so if we make them healthy and happy, we likely are gonna be healthy and happy because that's the symbiotic relationship of understanding that um, we're not alone. And when we feed our soil, we are the plant that grows. And, you know, I was telling uh, a, a rabbi who I know, uh, part of the big vast organization that certifies our, our, our oil. One of them, uh, their, their, their mother needed, needed some, some help. And I was telling her, you know, about diet and, uh, or maybe it was their sister, excuse me. Um, that was a different conversation. Today it was a sister. And she said, Mr. Kaufman, I just want you to know that I am a dietitian. And I actually know a thing or two about what you're talking about. And I said, oh, that's amazing because, you know, I, I feel that so many of us benefit from knowing somebody like that. You know, how many of us want to eat tasty and healthy, but have no idea what to do, you yeah. know? And, um, you know, like, it, I, I feel like how to make something applicable, how to, how to, you know, they have the whatever for dummies. It's like, okay, I want to grow healthy food. I want to eat healthy. I don't want to be fat. I want to be, you know, um, healthy in whatever ways it is. Right. And with that, um, how do I eat and what do I eat to sustain that diet? Because often enough, it seems like many of us have no idea how to do that or what, which way to go about it. So perhaps we can, um, at least begin to conclude on a note of what kind of tasty and healthy food options do you find? And um, what are some ways that you uh, have navigated uh, being healthier in life? Because obviously, you know, none of us are perfect and we all are going to A, make mistakes, B, you know, um, benefit from learning from them and see likely continue to make them. And, you know, things are a roller coaster. So what, what's one of the ways aside from your yoga practice that helps you stay mindful about, um, your day that you, um, are, you know, making healthy eating choices aside from your lifestyle? Yeah. So one of the things that really keeps me healthy and on track is a uh, Dinacharya, which is a morning daily ritual, and so Can you say that again? Dinacharya, and it means a morning ritual. 
And so to try to do the same thing every morning when you wake up, and there's all different morning rituals. Mine's actually right here because I like check through it every morning. But I start off with having lemon water. I smudge my space. I practice pranayama, which is breathing. With sage. Smudge your uh, space with sage or something else? You can use sage. Uh, you can, you know, all different types of plants. But I just kind of okay. like to smudge or clear Palo Santo sometimes. Um, of course, if you're using any type of smudge, make sure it's sustainably harvested. Uh, then I practice pranayama breathing. Just take three deep breaths. Um, gratitude and love. So in my book, I write down at least three things I'm grateful for every morning. Then I do this little love meditation. I'll like channel from the cosmos, channel from the earth, bring it in together, give it out. So I do that in the morning. Then I, uh, and I write this down because I'll tell you when it's when life throws us things that bring us off track that we can't even get out of bed in the morning or, you know, that send us down a downward spiral that the Dinacharya pulls us right out. So then next I'll floss, brush my teeth, ballet, I do my tondu. So that's a permaculture function is a stacking function. So where you're doing one thing and you're getting many functions accomplished. So I try to stack functions to optimize my time in the morning, scrape my tongue. Uh, so always trying to clean and purify the body. Uh, then I'll do a little bit of yoga. So about 20 minutes or so, but I recommend for people to aim for seven. Seven's a really great number. And if you can just get seven minutes of movement, it could be anything from walking around your neighborhood to dancing in your kitchen. Um, so I like to do a little yoga, take a shower. So I clean myself every day, whether it's a little quick rinse, um, lotion. I'm up in the mountains. Got to stay hydrated. And remember, I started my day with a full mason jar of lemon water. High adornment. So I always, a lot of us are working from home now, especially. We're not going out. I haven't left the house in days. It's been snowing, but I still shower every day. I get dressed. I put on my favorite earrings. Even if I'm not going anywhere, it's for myself. And that is a mindset. It, cha it changes the outlook of your whole day. Yeah, uh, girl. Fill in nature. So then I bring my dog out usually for a walk. Fill in nature. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it might sound cliche, but hugging a tree every day or spending time in nature, it's not just because it's cool, but also there's scientific <laughs> studies that show, you know, this is how we bring our body into balance, those cyclical rhythms, our internal circadian rhythms when we actually touch the tree the, the phloem and the xylem are moving in the tree and we can connect to that rhythm um so I, I i try to actually touch a tree today i spent some time with this really cool pine cone i posted a picture of it but um worms and plants then i always will put my hands in the worms and a really great thing about this is it produces serotonin in our brain so we have marma points on our hands and the bio slime and the worm um, that creates soil aggregates actually also activates our microbiome that you were talking about. Uh, yeah, we're like 90% microbiology and only 10% human. So let's honor that every day, right? Let's feed mm -hmm. our soul, feed our soil. So I put my hands hands in the vermicompost. It's also it's a great antidepressant. It like gets you connected to nature in the earth um, and then water my plants. So I like, depending if you have a garden going, you might have a watering schedule. So maybe it's not in the morning, maybe it's in the evening, um, depending on your lights, if you're, if you're indoor. Um, sometimes I like to do evening water. So that's kind of like the gist of my morning schedule. And then I have my nightly one. I don't always do all the things. I check it off when I do it. And so try to stay balanced. We do our best that we can. Um, and in terms of eating, I actually write down everything that I eat every day. I keep a food journal just to keep my optimal health. Um, and that's because if I could, I would eat chocolate and blueberries all day every day. <laughs> um, so I got to make sure I'm eating healthy, balanced diet, lots of vegetables. And I'll look and I'll be like, wow, I just kind of, um, you know, ate a lot of white things. Or you want to make sure you have eat the rainbow, as my friend Brigitte Mars, you know, her says. And in terms yes. of food, um, yeah, eating the rainbow, eating local, eating fresh, it does take some time to cook a meal. <clears throat> it's a lot easier to buy a frozen pizza and 
toss it in the oven than to uh, cut and create your own beautiful meal for yourself. So my advice is meal prepping. Um, what I do is I plan out all of the meals that I want to make and try to have some of the ingredients be in a couple of the meals because I'm also trying to be cost efficient <laughs> and savvy with my food. Um, so like today I have my meal prep set up. I'm actually meal prepping tonight. So I'm doing, uh, I'm focusing on the ingredients, kale, apple, turkey, broccoli. Actually, I'll, let me see what our meal prep is that we're doing green kale and apple turkey burgers. So I'm going to make a whole bunch of those and then freeze them. And then that way you have nice food that you could use. Freezing's not the best. You always want to eat it fresh, but you know, I'm one person cooking for myself. So it's, it's, uh, it is what it is and we do our best. Um, and then we're going to do a garlic broccoli quinoa. So if like quinoa and rice and stuff like that, it's nice for me to make a whole big batch. And then I can just kind of heat it up in a cast iron pan. I always use cast iron because I'm iron deficient and I like to increase the iron as much as possible. And, um, and cast iron's great. They last for hundreds of years. So it's good to remain sustainable. And then we're going to do some uh, tacos. <laughs> nice. You're making me hungry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The tacos, um, and you know, everyone eats their own meal and their own type of diet that works for them. And I do consume meat. And part of that is understanding that we are, for me, part of the cycle of life and giving thanks for the animal. So um, I'm very fortunate up here in Netherlands, they have local organic meat. There's a buffalo up here in Colorado as well. So there's a lot of great resources that we can use. Were you a vegetarian or vegan at one point? I was. I was a vegan for um, a few years and that was at sea level. And when I came to Colorado, I was almost at 9,000 feet. And what I learned is that uh, oxygen is transported by your heme iron, your red blood cells. And heme iron is only from red meat animals. So we are red meat animals and we produce our own heme iron, but each different blood type of person produces different amounts. Also, um, I'm gonna take this out. So the multiversal water. Break. Yeah, also being a female, you lose quite a bit of iron every time with your moon cycle with the loss of blood. So <clears throat> in terms of diet, I had to change my diet greatly. I, I actually ended up in the hospital and had to get a blood transfusion, an iron transfusion. And so what I found is that for my optimal health, I needed to consume meat. You must be iron woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I um, I guess going from a sea level vegan to a mountain meat eater is uh, an interesting evolution. Oh, oh, yeah. Apparently, it was something that you needed to do. And the fact that you were able to honor that. And, you know, obviously, when, when our health is in jeopardy, we're like, okay, uh, how do I get more time here? Because it's all I have. And I really love my life. You know, um, we have to make different choices sometimes and you know that's what gorilla healer is all about making unconventional choices in the times that you know um conventional choices uh, are, are not uh viable for us or when what we need is illegal and yours in your case you know what you needed was something that you didn't feel that you were aligned with though you decided for whatever reasons perhaps health reasons that or iron deficiency that you you needed to do it is that um, what, what was that transition like for you? It was really difficult <clears throat> for me. Sorry. Phil, <laughs> Come on, go ahead. Um, Love you, Phil. Mostly because of the spiritual aspect of not wanting to consume meat. However, it was my Ayurvedic teacher who was telling me about ahimsa, which means not harming. And that is part of the understanding of why we don't 
consume meat through the lens of yoga because it's non-harming. However, when you think about those practices, they come from um, a different geographic location. And if my particular body was being harmed by denying it that iron that I needed, then I was harming myself. And um, there are other cultures who honor the eating of meat. They see it as you're taking on the spirit of that animal. And also when we think about sourcing locally, we're adapting to the environment in which we're in. So you wouldn't tell uh, say an Inuit to give a, a grave example to become a vegan. In their environment, they only have access to um, fish or <clears throat> certain, yeah, certain animals. Whereas, you know, if we think about Jamaica, for example, where um, the Rastafarian culture comes from and it's based in veganism, Jamaica is based on the equatorial line where fruits are growing and it makes sense to have a vegan diet there. Whereas if you're up in the mountains at 9,000 feet and you're, you're living the mountain life, you got to adapt. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for, for bringing that up. You know, I want a lot of us to realize that, you know, our health is the most important thing and that even, uh, you know, nature consumes nature. You know, and so if you decide that you want to consume plants, power to you and, and so on and so forth. We're not, you know, we're here to just support healthy diets and lifestyles. So thank you for opening up a window into, you know, your experiences and journey and why you make the, the choices that you do and um, and sharing that with us. And, and it seems like, I mean, first off, I just want to say that I really enjoyed this time talking with you. And I feel like you're a really cool person who has a lot to share through the things that you love and what you continue to learn. And obviously you're pretty organized and you do, uh, you do your research. And, and um, so thank you for doing that diligence and um, contributing your part to our world. And perhaps you would be so kind to honor us by leading us uh, out with some sort of uh, deep breath. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I'd like to uh, offer everyone to find a nice comfortable seat wherever you are. If you're crossing your legs, uncross them. Feel the soles of your feet on the floor or even lie down if you want. Rest your hands open. Just relax the shoulders down away from the ears. If it's comfortable to you, you can let your eyelids close heavy. Let your lips close, touch together. And just start to notice how the breath is moving through your body without trying to alter or change it. Just beginning to notice what you notice without judging it. And become aware of the breath as it's moving in and out of the nostrils. Becoming aware if there's any type of temperature or texture or quality to the breath. And then with your next inhalation, see if you can let your belly button, your navel, initiate the inhalation as you breathe in and fill your belly like you're blowing up a balloon. As your belly expands, your chest lifts and rise, collarbones separate. Breathe into your wholeness and your fullness. Pause. And with the lips closed, when you're ready, let the exhalation initiate at your navel center and begin to draw the belly in towards the spine as you slowly breathe out. And again with the belly, as you inhale, let it rise, breathing in, drinking in this breath, finding gratitude for all that you are in this moment. Hold. And with the navel, 
Slowly exhale, drawing it in towards your belly. Now we'll just add in a count, bringing a sense of rhythm to our prana, to our life force. Breathing in for four, three, two, one. Holding for four, three, two, one. And exhale, three, two, one. And hold, four, three, two, one. And inhale, four, three, two, one. Hold for four, three, two, one. And exhale, four, three, two, one. And hold for three, two, one. And return to your natural breathing. And when you're ready, you can slowly flutter your eyelids open, keeping your dressy gaze soft and bringing the left and right palm together, joining the yin, the yang, our masculine, our feminine, our lightness, our darkness, letting it come together full circle, taking a deep breath in and open mouth, exhale it all out. And may the light in me deeply honor and respect the light in each of you. And may you all live your most vital, healthy, well lives. Namaste. Thank you so much. Thank you. What an honor and pleasure. May you have an incredibly healthy and happy and sweet year. And I look forward to... Uh, another conversation with you in uh, in our travels. Yes, me too. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks. And once again, your website is? Ganjasana.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Be well. You too. Love. Make sure you check out buildasoil.com and subscribe to the Farms Not Farms podcast on uh, Spotify or Apple Music. And of course, you can archive, you can check out all the archived Farms Not Farms videos at farmsnotfarms.org. Thank you and uh, be well. Thank you for listening to the Farms Not Farms podcast brought to you by Gorilla Healer. If you want to watch the full episode plus behind the scenes footage, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash burntmd. And subscribe to the Farms Not Farms podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, buildasoil.com, for all of your organic soil amendment needs. As always, be well. <laughs>